Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Economist. From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation around themes in the worlds of business, finance, and economics. I'm Stan Peniel, the banking editor. And this week, we consider the economic impact of terrorism. In the aftermath of the atrocities in Paris on November 13th, analyzing the consequence of terrorist acts in terms of lost GDP or lower stock market indices may seem to be missing the point. But that is only partly the case. Terrorists aim to wreak havoc, including with our economy. There is a reason why voters and policymakers spend so much time focusing on things like GDP. Growth means jobs, it means opportunities. So with that caveat, I'm joined today by Philip Coggan, our Buttonwood columnist, and Anton LaGuardia, our deputy foreign editor. Phil, let's start with you. You've commented uh, on this in your blog, Buttonwood's Notebook, and you found actually that the economic impact of terrorism is perhaps surprisingly small. Yes, I think the reason is that a concerted terrorist campaign like, for example, the IRA in Northern Ireland over 30 years has one effect, uh, one-off incidents, however terrible, like the Paris ones or more significantly even 9-11 in 2001, seem to have a big short-term impact and then fade from the memory. So the third quarter GDP in 2001 in the US did fall and uh, economists afterwards estimated there was about a 0.5% downward effect on GDP overall. The stock markets closed in 9-11 too. But within a month, the stock markets were back up again. The central banks acted to be supportive. And if you go to New York today, the Freedom Tower has been constructed where the Twin Towers fell. But New York carries on as New York did before the attacks. And the same is true of Madrid in 2004, London in 2005 and so on. So what tends to happen with these attacks is people are shocked in the short term, but the economic activity that would have happened on the days after an attack just gets postponed to a later period. So if you were about to go out Christmas shopping, uh, then you'll just do it next week or next month rather than at the moment. The main potential drag of terrorism on the economy is the reactions that we adopt to terrorist activity. So if, for example, the EU would decide to completely abolish Schengen and have border controls between France and Germany or Germany and the Netherlands or whatever, leading to long lines of trucks at each border post, that would have a significant effect on economic activity. And of course, terrorists are quite keen to make us do that kind of thing. Anton, you want to jump in here? Well, one of the interesting things, of course, is that it, it depends on sort of what the target is and what the country is. I think Philip has really been talking about Western countries. If you talk about the attacks in Egypt or the attacks in Tunisia, especially when they're aimed at tourism, the effect on tourism is, is much more marked and can last several months, perhaps a year, perhaps longer. It depends whether it's repeated or not. But even then, tourists tend to go back to a country if things seem to be 
quiet, but nevertheless, in that intervening period, it might have had a, a more marked impact on GDP. Yeah, on a similar note, I was reading about the impact on the Yemeni economy after the uh, USS Cole attacks in, I think it was October 2000. I mean, there, a, a very marked impact, uh, very difficult to get insurance premiums, insurance premiums much more expensive uh, for doing business there. But th- that, again, betrays a, a, a lack of diversity in the economy, which luckily uh, in Europe, indeed in the US, we, we tend to have. Yes. People come to London, to Paris, to Madrid anyway, not just for tourism. They have business meetings and so on. Uh, If they're going to the coast of Tunisia or Sharm el-Sheikh, it will be primarily for tourism. So I should have mentioned that. Anton's quite right that if you have a very narrowly focused economy, then it can have a serious impact. And indeed, again, it is one of the aims of the terrorists to try and damage the local economy uh, and to thereby bring down the state uh, by undermining its tax revenue. So that's a serious issue. The benefits of being in a Western economy is there is no one activity that dominates in the way it does in more, more developing economies. I mean, another example of, of what Philip's saying is that in Saudi Arabia, there was a narrowly averted attack once on one of the main oil terminals. Were that to have been successful, then I think markets would have been a lot more worried about what the impact on the oil markets would be on the Saudi economy uh, and so on and so forth, particularly because all of the Gulf oil has to pass through a rather narrow uh, stretch of Hormuz. The other area where it gets sort of difficult is where terrorism leads to sort of escalation. Escalation leads to military presence. Uh, you've seen how the situation in Syria has now uh, led to a, uh, you know, the Turks shooting down a Russian plane. We don't know quite what the circumstances are. But if it looks like states are going to get involved in something that is more than simply a, a security response that becomes more like military action, then I think you can also see bigger effects. Yeah, interestingly, Philip, I mean, the markets broadly shook off uh, the impact of the the Paris attacks. Uh, I think I was looking at the, the CAC 40, the French index. It was, it was broadly flat on the Monday uh, after Friday the 13th. And in fact, it rose strongly on the Tuesday. But looking at today, there clearly is a, a market impact. Yes, there are, because uh, the relations between Russia and Turkey are um, more significant if they happen. Turkey is a big importer of Russian gas. Turkey is also a big destination for Russian tourists. Turkey and its influence in the Caucasus and the Muslim areas of Russia is significant as well. And of course, Turkey is a NATO member, so it does add to geopolitical tensions, which are already quite high, of course, because of Ukraine uh, and some interesting air buzzes between Russia and the air forces of other countries in in recent months. So it has a rather nasty feeling about it where it's one of those moments where a blunder could lead to much more serious consequences than we've seen for the last 20, 30 years. Anton, on on the assumption that we uh, avoid World War III, uh, there will be a a tweaking of uh, trajectory in in Europe, a a tweaking of policies. I'm thinking of two things in particular. One of them is around Schengen, the passport-free travel area. uh, And the second one is around uh, the the fiscal policies that Eurozone governments have to follow. Would either of those lead to, to changes in the economic trajectory of the EU? I think at the margins, it would. So Schengen makes travel for everybody easier, uh, so therefore removes some of the friction to economic interchange. But Britain trades perfectly well with Europe uh, without being a member of the Schengen zone. It is not essential to have a close trading relationship, although it makes life easier. We have seen a number of countries uh, reimpose some degree of border control, 
partly to do with the migration flux on the eastern borderlands uh, where migrants are coming in from the Balkans and now uh, around the borders of France in response to the Paris attack. So people will get caught up in traffic jams. There will be police checks uh, and so on. So it will grit things up a little bit. On the fiscal side, the French have asked uh, for spending on security to be excluded from the Commission's reckoning of the degree to which France is respecting the fiscal targets. They were likely to miss their target yet again, even though they had been given extra time to meet it. Uh, I think this is really mostly a political argument rather than uh, an economic one. I don't think French bond yields have changed substantially because the French are going to spend more on security. Uh, one of the difficulties, of course, is very difficult to measure this effect of the grit in the wheels. We all now have to wait a lot longer at airports and we have to go through security. We have to arrive earlier. There's no direct cost that you can say, well, it's, it's £10,000 to me or whatever, but it is, given that our time is a cost, it must have had some marginal impact. And if these delays get worse and worse, if they affect goods as well as people moving across borders, then that's significant. And of course, Britain has a sea border with the rest of the EU. You're going to have to be delayed however you go across. When you're driving from Spain to Portugal, you just drive across without noticing that you've moved from one country to the other, really. So uh, that's quite a different thing if you were to have posts and guards checking papers as you once did. Anton, at this stage, uh, particularly what's happened today, it does feel like, if anything, it's going to be the geopolitical angle, which is going to be more important to the economic outcomes. Certainly, it is worrying. People will be extremely worried about the fact that, you know, there is now this potential row, this potential row with the Russians, between NATO and the Russians. There's a NATO emergency meeting this afternoon. Uh, It had looked as if in response to the Paris attacks, the West and the Russians were coming closer together to some kind of understanding over what to do in Syria, at least to agree to sort of fight IS, the Islamic State, first before worrying about what to do about Hafez al-Assad. If we're now in a sort of dynamic of escalation because national pride is at stake, then I think people will become a bit lost more jittery. The obvious thing to look at is the, all this uh, Russian gas that flows through Turkey and onto, onto Europe. It's winter in Europe. If tempers sort of rise up, people start cutting off gas flows, then that will be worrying. But I, I think we're still quite away from that. The early indications were that both sides were trying to contain this and accept that it, it was some kind of mishap on the border. But when you have air forces flying around in close proximity to each other, the Russians flying close to NATO borders, the French now flying through Russian-controlled airspace, unless there is very careful coordination of, of what pe- people are doing on the air, I fear this is the kind of accident we might see again. I think there's another political aspect to it as well, which is that recent events have played very well uh, towards nationalist politicians. Francois Hollande has sort of uh, become this great war leader. Trump is still doing very well in the US polls. It plays well for Le Pen in France. Erdogan, of course, is a strong Turkish nationalist leader. And the worse the tensions get, the more voters tend to turn to these kind of leaders who they see as the people to protect them uh, at a moment of crisis. And of course, that makes international cooperation all the harder on economic and military conditions if you have a a lot of leaders who are more interested in pleasing the domestic electorates than they are on reaching a deal. Finally, is there some kind of element where morale is impacted, consumer spending or consumer habits are impacted? I mean, Anton and I both uh, lived in Brussels, which has been partly under lockdown for for a few days. I was in France, uh, actually, uh, over the weekend where I'm from. uh, And although I was several hundred kilometers away from Paris, people there were saying that 
that uh, American tourists were cutting short holidays uh, out of terrorist concerns. I mean, surely that's got to have some, some kind of impact. Well, this is back to where we started, which is that it does have an impact in the short term. But unless the attacks are repeated, unless people feel that this is going to happen to them next week and next year, um, then they will come again uh, because they want American tourists like coming to France, Italy, Britain. These are places they're used to coming to. Remember that in America, there are many more people killed by guns than by terrorism. There are many reports in Britain of gun uh, attacks uh, on a you know, weekly, monthly basis. And yet plenty of UK tourists go to the US uh, and don't even think about it. So unless they get the impression that the streets are lawless throughout Europe, and at, thankfully at the moment they're not, then I think the effect will quickly fade. So that's obviously the impact on sort of foreign tourists coming to Europe. There is, there will also be a short-term effect in a city like Brussels where people can't go out, can't get to work, uh, aren't using the metro, aren't going to the supermarket, aren't going to the theatre. I think you will, that will show up almost like a bank holiday shows up in the gross quarterly figures. If it's prolonged, it'll be longer, but ultimately it's deferred expenditure. People will ultimately have to go back and buy food for their families and uh, will start going out again if they feel safe. If they feel that there's a kind of prolonged insecurity, then as in Israel, when there are periods of prolonged insecurity, then it does have an economic impact. Anton LaGuardia, thanks very much. Thanks also to Philip Coggan. That's all we have time for this week. You can go to economist.com for the latest on the aftermath of the Paris attacks. You can also find all the latest news on business, finance and economics and Philip's post on today's discussion at Buttonwood's Notebook. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.